Charlotte. It's Shelby. It's Riley. And, and it's, it's time, time to smut up and listen. Just a reminder for today's episode and all future episodes, our opinions are subjective. We don't advocate for kink shaming or author shaming. This is all in good smutty fun. Enjoy. Today's episode trigger warnings are very heavy. We have rape, physical abuse, and overdose. So today's book is Knotted by Pam Godwin. And who pick- I think Shelby picked this book. I picked it because I saw that it had like a majority like four or five stars on Goodreads, but nobody gives you a warning. Literally no one. Really? I saw some reviews that were like, check your triggers, check the trigger warnings because like- I must have missed those. Yeah. Also, Pam, put it at the beginning of the book. I was really upset. <laughs> oh my God. This book made my stomach Does it hurt. get like, like right into it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So- oh. It was really good, though. What'd you give it on Goodreads? I gave it a four for some reason. It wasn't a five because I'm not like, oh, my God, everyone has to read this book. Like, I think that's how I'm basing my new rating system on is like if it's a five star, like I want everybody to read it. And it was amazing and wonderful. And I couldn't put it down. I could put this one down. (laughs) Okay. I needed a break. That's fair. I gave it a five star because I was like, damn. It was good. It was good. You really liked it? Uh Uh-huh. I did really like it. Knowing what it was about, I might have picked a lighter cowboy book for the podcast. But it was really good. And the smut was spicy. Uh, But the other stuff is heavy. Yikes. My quote for you, Riley, is Jake Holston is the real deal. And my body recognizes every strapping inch of him. And mine is... With a grin that bears my teeth, I do what I've done my entire life. I chase her. <gasps> yeah. Yeehaw. Yee-yee. Okay. I'm going to jump right in. We start with our main character, Jake. We're in his POV, and it's a flashback to a summer with Connor Cassidy, the sexiest girl in Oklahoma. Today is her 16th birthday. They are riding his horse through the fields with both of their brothers there for lookouts, and tonight is the night. They're about to have sex for the first time until it all goes wrong. Two masked men attack their brothers and then find Connor and Jake down at the ravine. They knock Jake out. When he comes to, he's now also tied and gagged sitting next to his brother, Jarrett, and Connor's brother, Lorne, and they are both still tied up and gagged. On the opposite side of the ravine, here comes a trigger warning, the two men are sexually assaulting Connor. His brother and Lorne are working on slicing their ties, so apparently Lorne had his knife in his boot, like always, and he's like somehow snuck it out, so they're trying to cut the ties. Jake knows that they'll get out of this, but none of them will be the same ever again. We switch to Connor's POV, and she watches Lauren break free of the restraints and go for the shotgun. The second man sees him though and is running towards the gun as well. She uses the last of her strength to slam her head back into one of the attackers and breaks his nose. All this is very graphic too by the way like I'm not mentioning half of the graphic stuff that's going on. I will be mentioning it in my half. You will? Yeah because the last chunk of the book goes into her healing process from this trauma and Jake kind of pushes her triggers and does certain things to trigger her back into this particular situation. So she has triggers about having her wrists bound. She has triggers about having um, men on top of her from behind. She has triggers about anal sex because she was sodomized. Yeah, it's bad. It was like a horrible, horrible rape. Yeah, it was so graphic. I was like, oh my God. Lorne beats the second man to the shotgun and kills the one on top of her and the second man takes off running. 
Lauren cuts Jake and Jarrett loose and then he leaves immediately. Jake unties Connor and puts his shirt on her and he won't look at her. But Jake makes his brother stay with her to help Lauren, even though she's like begging him not to leave her because Jake is the boyfriend. And she's like, why won't you stay with me? Like, don't fucking leave me. But he does. He comes back with the man, but not Lauren. And then all of a sudden you hear a gunshot in the distance and Lauren races back on a horse and he believes he shot one of the ranch hands who he thought was the second man so he just killed an innocent person yeah she begs them not to kill the second man she's like I have a plan don't kill him yet like let's send him to prison and when he gets out we're gonna go for him we'll kill him slowly and painfully and they all like make a blood pact which reminded me of it it yeah (laughs) where they like slice their palms and like touch each other's hands (laughs) jake holds her as she finally cries a little bit and as soon as she starts to break down they hear trucks and dogs rumble in the distance towards them and lauren is immediately arrested and the second man is arrested as well we switch back to jake's pov three days later he's in the kitchen looking out of the window watching connor and she's quietly playing her guitar on the stairs and he's been doting on her like around the clock he's like she's not going to eat she's not going to take care of herself so I have to help her he knows that she hasn't mentally dealt with everything that's happened and he's trying to like help her mentally deal with it but she's kind of just shutting down at this point I put in my notes their dads are best friends but we learn later they're not really best friends their moms were best friends okay so everybody lives on this ranch and the ranch house is separated into to two wings so they have like connor's family wing and then the jake's family wing and the dads own the cattle business but their moms since they are best friends own the actual land to the ranch okay that was just a little backstory but there's a lot of tension going on between both dads and just around the ranch and the house in general jake brings her breakfast and then they talk about lorne and we learn that the two men that assaulted connor were from oregon with a bunch of other criminal charges and they saw connor in town earlier that day and followed her home after a while jake goes to work and connor stays inside but while him and his brother Jarrett are working out in the fields connor is racing her horse towards them even though she's not supposed to be riding so they're like what the fuck is going on she's panicked and crying and her dad is moving them out of the house and to chicago so her dad sold all his shares of the cattle business and the ranch to their dad and they're just leaving oh and their moms are dead too They've been passed away since they were babies. I guess it was like a car accident. That's so sad. I know. Is he, are they leaving to like get away from everything? Everything, yeah. So his dad's like, your brother's in jail. Like you just had that shit happen to you. Like we're not staying here anymore. She tells Jake that no matter what they stay together, miles, months, cities, like it doesn't matter. Like they're pretty much end game. And then her dad shows up with like a bunch of other ranch hands and they hold Jake and Jarrett down while they drag her like kicking and screaming away we go to connor's pov three months later and she says cruelty and whiskey are her dad's new coping mechanisms she snuck ways to get a hold of jake and Jarrett, but they haven't gotten back to her so she like buys a prepaid phone from her money she stole from her dad's wallet she's emailed them from the library written letters but they have not returned any calls emails nothing and her dad like forbids her to try and contact them yeah so she has to like sneak around and do it 
Why? They all went through that together. She knows that their dad must be alienating them like hers is doing to her. So she tries to express how she's feeling to her dad about being alone after something super traumatic happens. And he like finally just snaps. And another trigger warning, he grabs her by the hair and like throws her out the door and like shuts it. And she just has to walk to school. He starts really physically assaulting her as well. (laughs) She's on her third day of 11th grade and she decides that she's gonna leave here immediately after she graduates she's just gonna bide her time study hard graduate with a bunch of honors pre-college graduates and a scholarship and her dream school is university of oklahoma because she wants to be a vet so that's like her end goal on her way to school she rounds the corner and comes into contact with a group of high school boys and they crowd her and that sets off her triggers because they grab her and she goes back to the ravine and she starts having a panic attack and she's begging them to let her go and don't do this to her again and they kind of like step back and she returns to the city like she is like oh my god what the fuck they're all like start to be gross to her and she's just like whatever if they think i'm a bitch i'm a bitch but i'm just gonna i'm gonna leave when i can so she doesn't make like any friends at all she literally just does her best in school and trying to get out of that situation two years later and her dad is again trigger warning beating the literal shit out of her and screaming at her for this key i guess all her part-time waitressing jobs and summer jobs that she took saving money she bought a motorcycle and hid it from him and he found out about it so now he wants the key because she's not allowed to leave even though she's almost 18 ew i hate this guy she even got a fluoride scholarship to the university of illinois which she turned down and enrolled in oklahoma state university like she was always wanted to so now she has to try to figure out -out out-of-state tuition financial aid all that stuff but she doesn't tell her dad that even though it's been over two years she has never heard from jake or Jarrett. but maybe being closer to them she'll be able to see them again she turns 18 tomorrow anyway so she's like i'm fucking leaving so she goes double check her bag she has a spare key for her motorcycle and once her dad passes out she leaves she made it to sandbank where the ranch is she pulls up to the house and sees new vehicles she doesn't recognize and some that she does recognize and she's getting really nervous she did send like a fair warning email to everyone like to jake lorne and Jarrett being like i'm on my way like i'll see you guys in x amount of days i'll be at the ranch i'm just coming over again no one (gasps) said anything i would be so scared considering they haven't like responded to her in like two years even her brother the fucked up thing is he got more prison time than her rapist did he got 10 years and the rapist got seven what the fuck yeah it was seven for the rapist and then 10 for lorne with the chance of parole yeah with the chance of parole and there's like a whole conspiracy on that too but we'll get into that okay she knocks on the front door and no one answers so she lets herself in and the giant house is very empty, but she hears music coming from Jake's side of the of the house. She goes to his door where the music is coming from, and when it swings open, he's in bed with someone who's not her. Well, they promised to stay together. Through any time. But he hasn't talked to her in two years. But they've been dating since they were born. Yeah. I know. <laughs> She's frozen in fear as she drops the gift she has for Jake. So apparently, like, in Chicago, they teach, like, a welding class at the high school she went to. So she, like, made him, like, a homemade bracelet with, like, it's leather with a cute little horseshoe, but it's turned to look like a C for Connor. You know, like, cute little 
teenage shit. cutie. They both turn to look at her since they heard something fall and she can't make herself move. She can't like leave the room or anything. But when she finally unfreezes, she starts smashing things on his dresser, like just ripping stuff off. And a box falls to the floor and it spills out every letter that she's written to him with no response. What? Yeah. What? He got all the letters and he just never wrote back. Yeah. See? See? She turns back around and the girl is dressed and Jake is staring at Connor with uncaring eyes. She mentions that he appears older but unrecognizable. She wants to leave but needs to know why he never called or wrote back and he says that he needed to let her go. It was easier to ignore her and try to move on. But that means that he got the email today and he knew that she would be there so she asks if he brought the girl here on purpose and he doesn't say anything so she's like ah okay cool what a dick she tells him that she'll see him in five years and leaves the room and when she goes outside to look for her horse because like besides her room being packed up she didn't get to take her horse she didn't get to take anything else um and that was like her pride and joy like she got her as a little girl a little ketchup a little yeah the horse's name is ketchup Oh, that's so cute. It is cute. But Jake catches up to her and tells her that Ketchup's not here because she passed away last year from a virus that horses get. I'm sure you know what it was, Charlotte. <laughs> it was, that was like equine infectious anemia. Oh, whatever that is. It's not good. <laughs> she goes to turn and hurts her abdomen where her dad left most of the bruises. She limps and he grabs her to help, but he doesn't know that she's all fucked up. And she like screams when he touches her and notices that it's hurting where he's touching her. And never once in her letters did she mention about her dad beating her because she didn't want them to worry about her. So he tells her to lift her shirt and she does. And he's like, I put Charlotte in my notes are little who did this to you who did this to you jake whispers murderously who her whole abdomen is just covered in broken blood vessels bruises old new half of it's yellow half of it's purple like Like, her dad was just like kicking her in the ribs repeatedly she tells him dalton cassidy is a drunk who beats on his daughter it started the day he left here and ended last night And she gets on her bike and he says, that's why you came home. And she's like, no, Jake, you are. And then she like peels out the driveway on a badass motorcycle. (laughs) You are. (laughs) When I saw that part, I just like pictured her like fishtailing out of there, like uh, thinking that she looks cool, but it's like the big old dust cloud behind (laughs) her. Kiss my dust. (laughs) Buck cherry turned up on her little radio. Yeah crazy bitch (laughs) (laughs) she makes it a couple miles down the road before she has to pull over and when she does she completely breaks down because she's like i have nobody anymore my mom is dead i left my dad my brother's in jail and my boyfriend and his family who i thought were also my family didn't want me they ignored me for two years so she has probably a very therapeutic cry until she's empty and then she's like i'm never coming back here we go to jake's pov and he watched her go he really held on to the belief that she was safe in chicago no bitch my chest constricts and helpless rage heats my blood after connor was taken from me i learned a great deal about dalton cassidy he didn't want to leave oklahoma he didn't want to sell the ranch whoever's threatening his family forced his hand whatever's keeping him away from sand 
and Bank is bigger and more powerful than the amateur hitmen in the ravine. Connor and Lorne were supposed to die that night, and if they return to the ranch, another attempt will be made on their lives. Most of my information comes from Lorne during my visits to the penitentiary. The tea is piping hot. <laughs> the plot thickens. Yeah. Oh, my oh yeah. God. He can only piece together so much information from Lorne and the shady business transactions from the ranch. He turns to go inside and squares his shoulders just as Jarrett punches him in the face. And he's like, I deserve it. Him and Jarrett distracted their dad for a full 24 hours. So when she arrived, mostly everyone would be gone. So they got rid of almost every ranch hand, his dad, to make sure that if one of them were the ones that put a hit out on Connor, they wouldn't finish the job when she came back. Oh, okay. Okay. So they don't know who, though. Not yet. Okay. Not yet. But someone. <gasps> and it was an inside job. It's it like was. Clue. Oh my God. It really is. He believes it might be his dad, but also any one of his numerous new sketchy business partners. Jared goes to punch him again and he blocks it. And even his brother believes that he slept with that girl. I didn't sexually or intimately touch Sarah. I didn't kiss her. Didn't remove my boxers. I didn't even get wood. I'm still a virgin because I love Connor Cassidy. Jarrett continues to pummel him and punching him literally anywhere he can hit. And Jake knows it's because he made Connor feel unwanted. So even though Connor's Jake's girlfriend, since they all grew up together, because Jarrett and Jake are twins, so they're... They all grew up together. Lauren is the only one that's older. I think only by like a year though. Okay. He's really upset because he's like, Connor's like my sister and you just made her feel like fucking shit. Yeah. But he had to. He had to. He wants to solve what's going on so he can win her back if it's not too late. So he has five years until her rapist goes free, five years to honor the blood oath, and five years to eliminate her enemies. He heads back to his room to retrieve the gift box she dropped. And when he opens it and reads the note, his heart breaks even more. So he like kind of forgot that today's her birthday. So she gave him a <gasps> present on her own birthday because she missed him. And he was like, nah, I got my new bitch. It wasn't his new bitch though it wasn't she was a fake new bitch we go to connor's pov she finds a dumpy motel near the osu campus and since she has no money she grabs a help wanted sign from the window and asks for a trade for the summer and the creepy dude like checks her out and agrees and i was like ew yeah she's like i can That's work gross. with my hands and he's like can you work with your hands yeah it was gross <laughs> what are those hands do <laughs> it takes her a month of working there and saving to also build up the courage to visit her brother so she's yet to visit him and he's only an hour away and does do you think he knows that she's there probably if he's talking to jake true 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 true. she's scared because she knows that he got her communications but also refused to respond just like jake and Jarrett. And when she finally sees her brother for the first time in over two years, he picks up the phone on the other side of the glass, but she hesitates and he mouths, I love you. And she picks it up. He tells her that she was supposed to stay in Chicago and knows why she left. Jake filled him in. He tells her that he's sorry he didn't keep in touch with her. And he tells her that he wants her to leave Oklahoma and go back. She's free to go back. The Chicago hospital called him. Their dad was found dead in the apartment from overdose. <gasps> so he like drank himself to death. Oh. Damn. She's having a bad time. Yeah. Fuck. I mean, I know that's like he abused her, but I'm sure there's some type of like 
sadness and guilt oh, yeah. that goes along be. with it. She tells him that she's not going anywhere and she just like hangs up the phone and walks away. He's like, no, someone's trying to kill you. Well, she's like, why is everyone trying to get rid of me? Like, what the fuck's wrong with me? This book's sad. Yeah, what the fuck, guys? <laughs> and I'm not even getting to the nitty gritty. This is supposed to be a funny podcast. <laughs> One year later, we are in Connor's POV and she says, being rejected by every person I ever loved started a vicious cycle of self-hatred until I realized the best revenge is to put all my efforts into me instead of dwelling on them. She spends literally every waking second on schoolwork and working. She barely has time for friends, not that she wants any relationships, anything like that. But for some reason, she finds herself at one of the biggest field parties she's ever been to. She's not there, again, to make friends or find a relationship, but she is there because she has a deeply rooted fascination with sex and she Again, her trigger, she can't have a man grab her wrist without being thrown back in time to the brutality she faced. Mm -hmm. So she wants to try and move past that and have sex without feeling all of those things. So she's like, if I come here and I initiate something, maybe I can move past those triggers and like, yeah, work towards something else. And she goes there like every Saturday and just like tries. Uh-huh. But she uh. doesn't have sex with people because either they grab her weird or like because no one is obviously going to know about her trigger because she's not trying to build a relationship. She's just trying to like bone. Yeah, like a temporary fix. She makes her way to the barn where she knows people hook up all the time and she sees someone who looks like Jake and think this has to be the guy that she tries it with because maybe if he looks similar to Jake, it will do something in her brain to help her move forward. She follows him into the barn and he grabs grabs her in all the right spots that don't trigger her panic attacks and she's like what the fuck he starts kissing her and she actually is enjoying it and they continue kissing and he slowly takes off her clothes he rests his hands on the back of my legs and caresses upward leaving a trail of goosebumps and fire pressing closer his nose grazes my bare pussy closer still and he buries his face drawing in a slow deep breath smelling me then he licks Oh, also the barn is like pitch black and there's music blaring so she can't see him or hear him. Ah, that gives me anxiety. Uh, Yeah. (laughs) Is this fucking Jake? No. It's a mystery man. Yeah. Oh. He's wearing a baseball cap and his hair is different. Uh Uh-huh. Oh. And like he's wearing clothes that she knows that Jake wouldn't. Like a leather jacket. And like loafers. And skinny jeans. I didn't know if like maybe in the beginning she's like, oh, that's not him. And then. But that would make no fucking sense. So moving on he continues to eat her out and she knows that she's not going to orgasm because it's not jake and he stands up and hands her a condom he shoves his pants down and helps her roll the condom on and he lifts her up and settles between her legs fingers (laughs) squeeze my thigh and he drives against me rocking grinding seeking entry with uncontrolled frantic thrusts then he finds it my wet needy hole and he impales me in one hard powerful thrust my wet, <sighs> needy hole. No. No. <laughs> wet, needy hole. <laughs> it just reminds me of that Nine Inch Nails song. Like, if you change the words, it could be like, wet, needy hole. <laughs> <laughs> TM. He pulls out slowly and lunges again, over and over. He doesn't hold back. His teeth find my shoulder. My hands scratch the back of his leather jacket, cleaving to him as he stretches me, fills me, and uses me in the best way possible. <sighs> mm. He comes, but she wasn't ready for him to finish yet. She wanted more, but he gets dressed dresses her gives her a quick kiss and then leaves she tries to follow him out to talk to him 
and she's not sure what she would say to him if she catches him, but she can't find him in the crowd, so she goes home. On her way home, to add to her rebellious side of the night, she stops at a tattoo parlor, and she tells the man when she walks inside she wants a lot sleeves, and he's like, that's going to take a while, and she's like, I have all the time in the world. I'm trying to get a doctorate in veterinary. I don't know what it is. doctorate. <laughs> oh, it is. Extra doctor. An animal doctor. Three years later, we're still in Connor's POV. She gets a call that she should have been prepared for, but she's not. It's a call about Levi Tibbs' release date, and he served six out of his seven years. Is that the guy's name? Yeah, Levi Tibbs. It's not a douchey name, Levi Tibbs. Yeah, he sounds like the fucking worst human on the planet. He sounds like trailer trash. He is. Human fucking garbage. She refuses to be scared, and she is going to be done with her doctorates in vet science in two years, and she's, like, flying through the program, so she's, like focused dedicated she's like i'll just take care of him real quick and then come back and like i'll be good (laughs) yeah she's like no worries it's summer break and she's like perfect timing like i don't have to go to class the only reason she is at campus today though is to see her favorite professor who is it miles miles when she gets to his office his door is closed but she turns the handle and peeks in he's hooking up with the brunette and he's not supposed to be he's in a relationship with him oh you'll see she walks home feeling super numb and when she arrives home she starts her laptop and goes to a video and i have opinions on this but never mind she explains it later and it makes sense it's a graphic rape scene and she stops and starts it so many times and she says that she craves the power in controlling the girl's agony so she'll like start it stop it and then rewind and then start it again and like i think i understand what she's saying like it gives her some power of control like over her own situation too it sounds Mm -hmm. like the video is very similar to her situation Uh it's like a foreign film so you know it's fucked up oh god you know it's real real graphic (sighs) As she's watching it, she grows aroused, and then a gasp from the door scares her. The professor is home and asking what she's watching. Oh, uh-huh. pig. <laughs> All men are pigs. You hear that? <laughs> I think we only have like 10% of our listeners, maybe 13% of our listeners are men, so. Well, you guys are outstanding. <laughs> All 13% yeah. of you. <laughs> We appreciate you. They have been living together for six months and she thought that they were monogamous. So she calls him out and he makes some bullshit excuse about a weak lapse in judgment. And then he like immediately sent the girl away. So he's like, I only had my hands up her skirt for like a minute. And then I was like, what am I doing? You have to leave. And I bet you that wasn't the first girl. Probably not. She starts packing her bags and she feels bad that she's kind of using this as an excuse to leave to go back to the ranch. But she's like, I'll be back. You're like, you're good. And he's like, I love you. Like, text me when you get there. And she just like walks past him and like gets on her motorcycle. (laughs) She arrives back in Sandbank and goes to like their one bar that they have in the whole town. And I forgot what the bar is called. But as soon as she walks in, every head like like feel like an old western movie where like you walk in and everyone stops what they're doing and is just like slowly turns and stares at you what are you doing in this town yeah, there's only i think there's only like 400 people in the town yeah it's small she isn't there to drink she's there to hear gossip and create gossip 
As she sits down, she hears, you know what I need? Another dose of vitamin Jake. (laughs) I don't recognize the voice, but as I turn, I know who she is, as well as the three other women she shares a high top table with. We all went to school together. And they start like telling, like sharing their sex stories that they have with them all fucking Jake. And they like get progressively like more taunting. And she tells them she isn't there to steal him so they can quit with the fucking competition. One of the girls like points to someone behind her and in a deep voice, he says, what are you doing here? What are you doing here? What are you doing in my (laughs) town? This town ain't big enough for the both of us. This is my bar. (laughs) I imagine that's how he sounds too. Yeah. (laughs) She replies, I'm just shooting the shit with your buckle bunnies. His nostrils flare. Shannon here is ready for another ride on your tailgate. I give a low whistle of disbelief as my stomach curls in on itself. 17 orgasms. Impressive. You come a long way from your premature ejaculation days. (gasps) Burn. Get them. She looks down and notices that he's wearing the bracelet that she made him too. So now she's like fucking mad. Take it off. You you don't deserve that. She tells him that she's here on business and shows her palm and says when he wants to talk, he can find her at the hotel. And when she leaves, she sees Jarrett in the passenger seat of the truck and he just kind of watches her leave the bar. We go to Jake's POV. As soon as he pulled up to the motel next to her motorcycle, he could see her pacing inside. Jarrett is with him and comments how much she looks the same, but even prettier if that was even possible. Jarrett also comments on how she gave him the cold shoulder when she left the bar and he wants to know what else is wrong. Jake tells him that she ran into his past mistakes, but they won't antagonize her again. Yeah, because I'm going to kill him. I return my attention to her motel room and consider what I'm about to do. This is the fulcrum on which our past and future come together in a dance of spinning, fighting, and forgiving. I spent the last four years uncovering trails of deceit that stretch miles. The oil and gas drilling, the corruption in the cattle operation, the blackmail, and the bodies buried in the ravine. There's so much she doesn't know. I'm prepared to tell her everything, but not here. I have two more threats to worry about. One will be released from prison in two weeks. The other one skipped town. Who's the other one? Who is the other one? Who could it be? Jake and Jarrett get out of the truck and knock on her door and she lets them in and asks if they're going to honor the pact and help her. They say they're going to help, but the three of them need to go to the ranch to talk about a lot of stuff. And she's like, I'm not going there. He says that his dad doesn't live there anymore and it's more private to discuss murder plans at the ranch than at some random motel. And she's like, I'm not fucking going there. So he lunges for her, grabs her, and tells Jared to pack her shit and they kidnap her. He tells her that he knows about the trigger so he won't bind her wrists. Every shift and grind of her body feeds my hunger. I've gone too long without touching her, and the feel of her struggling and restrained beneath me awakens cravings, dark cravings I reserve only for her. She drives a fist into my ribs and I bite down on my smile. She punches me again and my dick jerks. Pissed off and worked up with her eyes glaring and her arms swinging. She's never been more insanely gorgeous. It's unreal being this close to her, smelling her and feeling the shape of her curves. My smile breaks free and boy, does that make her hit harder, which makes me harder. Christ, I'm a sick son of a bitch. Yeah, so like in the beginning, he explains that he's like really into bondage. So he was actually the one that tied her up before she was raped. Yeah, because they obviously didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah, so they went to the ravine to have sex with each other. He tied her up and she was consenting about it. Oh. Because that he's like really into like all the bondage stuff. Yeah, so he's like, 
a pretty kinky dude. He is. He's like, oh, this is what? She refuses to stop fighting him, so he tells her how he lied about ketchup and that he wants her to go see her horse. She stops fighting, and he says she will get all of her answers plus some, but she needs to stop. And she says that she won't survive, and he says that you already have. On the drive to the ranch, he tries to get her to talk about everything that happened to start healing, and she just laughs at him. For each answer I give you, you'll have a dozen more questions. No, I, I promise you, Connor, everything you don't know is connected to other things you don't know. There are so many secrets. I rub a hand down my face. I could unload it all on you right now, full disclosure, but if I did that, I'd lose my leverage. Leverage for what? Your obedience. I hold up a hand when she starts to interrupt. I'm going to peel away your walls piece by piece using my methods. For every session you submit to, I'll answer more questions. You're going to hold back information so you can dole it out like little rewards? That's fucked up, Jake. No, I'm going to trade answers for your participation. Answers in exchange for progress. If I divulged everything right now, you wouldn't agree to working through the grieving process. You need to grieve your relationship with your family, the damage your dad did to you, his death, your brother's incarceration, I can't. I don't need this. You need to greet our relationship. I'm not broken, she whispers. You don't need me to fix you. You need me to sit with you in the sadness. So he has like a whole tangled trail of shit that he has to tell her, but he's not going to until she starts working on all of her repressed emotions yeah. and mental stuff which is like kind of nice but also i feel like that makes sense they get to the ranch and he shows her where ketchup is and he's watching her interact with her horse and he wants to touch her but all this work for her to be home and he can't do that yet it's not time she's so happy to be with ketchup she's actually smiling and that's something that she hasn't done in years and he knows that because he's followed her around campus when he could and he even hired a pi when he couldn't damn yeah he's kept tabs on her personally and through pi ever since she moved back to oklahoma they saddle up ketchup and go for a ride and she starts asking more questions and he says he will answer one if she could do something for him he tells her to get off the horse and go down in the grove which apparently is covered in poison ivy and she's more sensitive to it than others so like they had to hospitalize her a couple times over poison ivy he tells her to strip out of her boots and jeans and go down there and if she does what he says she won't come in contact with the poison ivy she relents and does what he says and he tells her to hop on his back for a piggyback ride and she does my legs straighten my hands grip her thighs my boots step onto the path but my thoughts are elsewhere careening off the tracks and into a vivid dream where I'm burying my face in her pussy, pinching her nipples, tying down her arms, and fucking her until the cows come home. By the time I reach my destination, I'm so fucking hard it hurts to walk. Till the cows come home. (laughs) (laughs) They get to the spot and he tells her to step up onto a stump and obey. She decides once he walks away, she doesn't want to play the game and wants to go back. Hear me out. I step around her, stamping down errant saplings of poison ivy. Tonight we're reestablishing the roles we once had and setting a foundation for trust. My approach to your therapy doesn't exactly conform to the social constructs of sex and mental health, but every step I take will be carried out with complete honesty, control, and care. And love. I love her so goddamn much, but she's not ready for that truth. That's why we're here. I can't restrain you by conventional means. I pause in front of her and meet her eyes. No rope, nothing touching your wrist. That in itself is problematic, and before you give me hell for wanting to truss you up, think back to the night of your birthday. Before the bad stuff happened, what did I do to your wrists you tied them a choked whisper did it make you uncomfortable did you hate it did you tell me to stop her jaw flexes you know I didn't we're going to get back to that Connor back to that place where you can trust again whether it's with me or someone else understand and I guess she like doesn't say anything so he demands to know her other triggers and she starts like 
being a smart ass so he spanks her oh and she continues being a smart ass so he keeps spanking her <laughs> yeah she's like Tell me. i don't wanna <laughs> she finally tells him her triggers the smell of whiskey from her dad no grabbing her wrists nothing heavy against her back no sex face down or from behind and no anal and then he gives her an answer he tells her that he drove her away four years ago because her life was in danger someone hired two men to kill her and lauren in the ravine levi tibbs lied about just seeing her and following her home he was one of the hired hitmen she asks how he knows and did her dad know and is that why they moved and he replies i have proof i know who did the hiring i know why they did it and i've dealt with all of them but one she wants to know more but he says Jarrett knows and she can't go to the sheriff the sheriff has his own agenda and apparently was bought by his dad to like do his bidding and then he tells her that they need to talk about her boyfriend miles york and she's like what how do you know about that he tells her that he knows Miles hooks up with students regularly while she lives with him. Knew it. Yeah. He knows from the PI he hired and he shows her proof on his phone, which are like a lot of very scandalous pictures of this man with his students. She tells him that she's ready to go back to the house, but he grabs her phone and dials Miles's number. He mouths end it as Miles is panicking on the other line because she called and isn't talking. And then he hangs up. She tells him if he won't take her back, then she'll start walking through the poison ivy. And if she goes to hospital, she goes to hospital. So he takes her back to the house. We are now in Connor's POV. They're back at the ranch and Jake has completely gutted and redesigned Dalton's old room as his own. So I guess Jake took the Cassidy wing and then Jarrett has their wing, their old wing. How old are they at this point? 20. Their boys are 22 and she's 21. Okay. She describes the room and says heavy furniture, stone accents, rawhide finishes, and a rustic cast iron chandelier. It's a man cave on a triple dose of steroids, unpolished yet elegant. It's sexy and virile and oh so Jake. Sessy. She notices a large mural on the wall of horses running across a landscape of the Oklahoma sunset in the style of the paintings she used to collect as a kid, and she asks him why he got it done, and he tells her because he missed her. Oh, I know. Cute. He thanks her for the bracelet, and she tells him that she doesn't understand. He lied about ketchup and fucked Sarah Gilly before they broke up, and he tells her that he didn't fuck Sarah, he didn't even kiss her, and she tells him that she doesn't trust or believe him. He tells her Jarrett is bringing her bag in and that she'll be sleeping in here in his room since it was her wing of the house. He's not going to be sleeping in here with her. He'll be in Jarrett's wing. And as he walks out of the room, he tells her that she's the first woman who's ever been in this room before. (gasps) Yeah. She takes a shower and puts on fresh clothes and she's thinking about how pissed off she is about Miles cheating on her and blames herself for only being comfortable with boring missionary sex while other girls let him do all sorts of stuff to them. She wants to break up with him but doesn't want want to do it in front of jake because she doesn't want to like give him that like satisfaction yeah she wants to preserve her dignity in the situation she also starts thinking about everything jake told her about the shady shit going on at the ranch and wants to know where his dad is and what he has to do with everything and she takes one of jake's hats off the dresser and puts it on it's like a cowboy hat cowboy yeehaw she finds jake and Jarrett sitting together on the porch and she asks them if their dad is the one that he hasn't dealt with yet but they'll only tell her that he did want her dead and they won't elaborate further no which is so fucked up because 
their dad knew her and Lorne since they were like babies. Yeah. That is so fucked like, up. Like his wife was best friends with their mom. They all lived at the same property forever. Yeah. That's so fucked up. She gets upset and tells Jake she'll do whatever he wants her to if he just gives her the answers and he tells her that her therapy is more important and hands her Lorne's old guitar. So the guitar that she used to play when she was a teenager was Lorne's. She starts playing it and thinks about how much she misses Lorne and she tells Jake that she tried to visit Lorne once but he turned her away. Jake tells her that everyone alienated her to keep her away and if she would have had a reason to come back she would have been murdered and they couldn't protect her back then because they were just kids. Jarrett starts playing their old warm-up song on the harmonica. So, like, they would all just, like, sit and Jake would sing. Jarrett would play the harmonica. I think Connor sings, too. And then Lauren played the guitar. So when they start playing their old warm-up song, it effectively ends the conversation and Connor starts to play the guitar and then she just keeps playing song after song after song. And after a while, it's dark out and Jake looks at the hat on her head and says he's always loved seeing her wear his things. And she starts playing a song called Don't Bite the Dick by David Allen Coe. <laughs> I don't know that song, but I can I don't imagine. Know I've never heard of that. Me either. One time she hummed it while sucking his dick, I guess. So they all burst out laughing like old times. The next morning, the doorbell rings. The guys are out working on the pasture, so she answers it. And guess who it is? Her dad. Her dad's dead. <laughs> I meant his dad. Sorry. No, it's Miles. <laughs> How did he know? Jake has her phone. So Jake texted him. Jake. She goes to open the door and Miles tells her that he's there because of the text that she sent him that told him to get to the ranch ASAP. And she's like, I don't have my phone. Jake has my phone. So Miles asks her what's going on and she tells him that she knows he slept with other students in her bed. And he tries to deny it, but she tells him not to piss on her leg and tell her it's raining. (laughs) Get it, girl. Get it. (laughs) He calls her fucked in the head and grabs her by the elbow and she tries to pull away, but he grips her hard and holds the door closed so she can't leave. He tells her that the other girls actually enjoy sex and multiple positions. She tells him to leave, but he keeps talking, saying it's a shame that a girl like her can't. And then he flies across the porch. Jake is gripping the back of his shirt and starts punching his face over and over and over again. And when he finally stops, Miles is like, who the fuck are you? But Connor tells him to leave and not to make her say it again. Damn, I have no words. (laughs) (laughs) Miles is like, you'll be hearing from my lawyer. And Connor tells him if he tells his lawyer... She'll circulate the photos of him fucking his students. And then Jake shows him the photo so he knows that they're serious. And he tells Miles to send her stuff and not to fuck with any of it. So Miles gets in his car and drives off. And then when his car is gone, Jake pulls Connor into his body. Climbing onto the porch, he draws close. Close enough for his scent to tangle with my breaths. He smells like sun-soaked fields, well-oiled leather, and hard work. The kind of work that hones muscle and sharpens reflexes. I want to press up against all of that untamed masculinity and roll around in it. So he smells like B.O. (laughs) No. (laughs) Musky. Hard work? You're going to tell me that hard work doesn't smell like stinky armpits? I fucking love a stinky armpit. (laughs) Oh, yeah, that's true. Remember, she loves to smell Zach's armpits. He hates it. But when he gets home from work, I'm like, lift up those arms. Let me smell your stank. He's like, okay. Let me smell your spunk. Not the spunk. I'm bringing the spunk back. Connor tells him that she's mad at him and to stop interfering with her life. He's just trying to help. He says, I'll give you a few seconds to be single, but don't get used to it. 
What's that supposed to mean? You're about to be taken. His expression smolders with red-blooded anger. No, you're mine. No, I say louder and push him back. I'm not yours. Let me go. I did. The corners of his mouth twitch downward, but there's no apology in it as he advances. She starts pushing and hitting him and tells him that they promised to stay together the day that she left. And he lets her just like unload on him. And she's yelling at him that he ignored her for two years when she needed him because she was alone and scared and being beaten by her dad. And she tells him that he threw her away. And he says, no, he was keeping her safe as he curls his hand around her neck and pulls her in. He's so like aggressive with her for her being like, a rape survivor yeah yeah it's stressing me out (laughs) she tells him that he lied to her and hurt her and she's been holding on to that pain for so long and she grabs his shoulders he tells her he's sorry for hurting her but not for protecting her and his lips brush against hers and she can feel sparks flying through her body at the touch he tells her he loves her and always has he pulls her hips into his and says he'll never stop loving her and she tells him it's too late as her hands drop to her side and he grabs the back of her head and says no tomorrow's too late and crashes a kiss against her mouth. She tries to push him away but can't resist and deepens the kiss and the kiss just gets more and more intense and then he grabs her butt and pulls her into him and eventually they stop and he tells her it's even better than he remembers and she just says yeah. (laughs) She goes to push him away but he's already stepping back. He puts on some gloves and asks if she wants to help him buck some hay. And she says, yeah. And he tells her to meet him at the stables. And then we switch to Jake's POV. They're in the pasture together and he's watching Connor as she looks around at the damaged land. So we find out what happened while she was gone. Her eyes drift over the eroded land. Infestation of noxious weeds and high mounds of dirt and debris shoved to the side. It'll take years to remove the industrial waste and return the land to its natural habitat. He tells her that his father did this because of the oil and natural gas that they found she asks if that has anything to do with why he wanted her dead and jake says yes so they started like drilling for oil on the land yeah he tells her that him and Jarrett stopped it from happening and they're still trying to clean up the mess and she doesn't seem as angry at him about the land as he thought she would be so they start working on bucking the hay together and at the end of the day she's riding ketchup through the pasture and yells at him to catch up the horse's name is ketchup because she'd always be like catch up because she was so fast on the horse. Because she's faster oh, than him. Okay. Yeah. And he thinks he sees a smile as ketchup starts to gallop. With a grin that bears my teeth, I do what I've done my entire life. I chase her. He just loves her so much. He loves her. Jarrett, Jake, and Connor are all sitting on the porch that night after dinner. And she tells them that she wants to visit Lorne. Jarrett said that he talked to him today and, and that Lorne already knows about Levi Tibbs. She wants to ask more questions about everything that's going on. But Jake tells her she can ask one question that she wants to know more more than anything so she decides to ask him how he lost his virginity he tells her that he'll tell her inside the house in his room they get up to leave and Jarrett tells her it's good to have her home and sweeps her up into a big hug because remember they grew up together they're basically brother and sister so I thought that was a very sweet moment that was sweet it's very sweet Jake and Connor go to his room to talk and she sits on his bed and says well he tells her he's sleeping in here with her from now on and she says no he tells her clothes on and no sex till she's ready she stands up pissed that he assumes they'll have sex and he tells her to sit back down she does and he leans over her with his hands on either side of her he tells her he's sleeping in here with her because that's what she needs and it's what he wants 
She tells him that if that's the case, she wants to hear every detail about his first time. He tells her that he was 20 and the girl was 19. She says that doesn't make sense because she saw him with Sarah Gilly and he tells her to let him talk. He didn't have sex with Sarah, he already said. He says, I lost my virginity at a field party. I wet my lips in a barn. It was dark and god awful loud. The rowdy crowd and music. <laughs> Your face. Wait, no. <laughs> I stripped her from the waist down and ate her pussy. Blood rushes to my cock. Christ, I can still taste her shivering desire, her sweet innocence. Then I fucked her against the wall. No. She chokes and leaps from the bed. It wasn't you. We were surrounded by rutting college kids, blinded by total darkness, and I think the noise permanently damaged my eardrums. But she was all I felt, and I took her hard. Lasted an embarrassingly short couple of seconds. She was so tight and wet, and I was inexperienced and overexcited. To this day, I still regret that she didn't come. What are you thinking? Oh my god. Yep. I knew it! <laughs> I knew it. Uh-huh. Oh my god. <laughs> Charlotte, you did so good playing that off, too. Yeah, I'm an actress. <laughs> he tells her that he waxed his face out. Yeah. He wore a wig and he wore fingerless gloves to cover the scar that they all have. Um, <laughs> it's a little fucked up. Yeah. <laughs> but romantic. Yeah. I mean, yeah. After all that time, she was still his first. They were each other's first, just like yeah. they promised. Yeah. But holy fuck. Yeah. <laughs> he tells her that he followed her to the party every Saturday night to make sure nobody took advantage of her. He tells her that fucking her was selfish but he knew why she was there that night and that their virginities belonged to each other he thinks to himself that after that he fucked every easy girl in town to try and forget connor but he never could he tells her he didn't reveal himself because he didn't want to give her a reason to come home when he didn't know who he could trust at the ranch she asks how many women he slept with and he says a lot he thinks to himself that seeing her relationship with miles develop turned him angry and hateful and he fucked a lot of women like he hated them he did hate them because they weren't connor he killed people bad people so he like spiraled after this yeah oh shit but he only has one more murder until he's done for good she tells him she can't be mad at him he can stick his dick wherever he wants and tells him she wants to go to bed he tells her he still needs to talk to her and turns off the lights to strip they've never slept in a bed before and he's hard just thinking about it because when they were living together they weren't allowed right they were children uh-huh he's in just his briefs and keeps a lot of space between them in the bed i cleaned up the shit storm and made it safer for you to be here than anywhere else that means I'm not just letting myself hope for a future with you. I'm pursuing it with single-minded focus, and I will do jealous things to sabotage your chances with any other man. He's not fucking around. No. She doesn't respond, and they lay there in the dark until she eventually falls asleep, and almost instantly she starts having a night terror and wakes up grabbing for him. He tells her that he's here with her, and she climbs on him and wraps her arms around his shoulders, burying her face in his neck. He pulls her into his body and strokes her hair as she sobs. Now we're in Connor's POV. It's the next morning and she wakes up still snuggling him and she doesn't want to let him go. Jake wakes up and asks how she feels. She asks him if there's work he needs to be doing and he tells her that he hired two new people that start that morning and he's taking two weeks off. He tells her he has six years to make up for and she can feel his morning wood under the covers. Under the covers. Because they'd fooled around before, so they'd seen each other naked and they'd done some foreplay. And there's this freckle by her, like, right nipple that he's obsessed with. <laughs> 
So he tells her that he needs to see her freckle. (laughs) She tells him that crying was cathartic for her and that she hasn't cried like that since the day she walked in and found him with Sarah. She tells him that while it was helpful to cry with him last night, she's still resentful of him. I resent you for not telling me. I resent the years that came after. My relationship with Miles. Your whatever with whoever has a vagina. That wasn't meant to be. I pull my hand from his and curl it into a fist against my midsection. I can't stop picturing you with those women. And I'm sick to my soul with jealousy. I don't know how to get over that. You are mine, damn it. He tells her that he still is and she tells him that she loves him. He stares at her intensely and she is aroused. She grabs his hand and puts it on the strap of her top and pulls it down. And he gets to see the freckle. Let me see that freckle. He's like obsessed with the freckle. He really is. He tells her to lift her knees and she does and straddles his lap. He begins touching her breasts and pulls her top the rest of the way down. And she is hella soaked. Hella soaked. Hella soaked. She starts touching his chest back and he kisses her and works his way down to her freckle always with the freckle i'm gonna touch that freckle he tells her he doesn't deserve her and she tells him that she wants to forgive him but they can't do this he pulls her down to kiss him again and she tells him he's such a good kisser and all his practice over the years has paid off he tells her they have a three-hour car ride ahead of them today and that they're going to go see lorne he smacks her ass and tells her to take a shower and if she isn't in the shower in 10 minutes he'll be joining her Mm. i go off the bed and across the room yanking my top up to cover my chest connor i twist my neck back and find him sitting over the edge of the bed lips swollen and hair must he gives me the full force of his eyes you're the only woman i've ever kissed so all his hookups he's never kissed him mm. he was, just go to kiss him and he's like no no because no, he was like i did hate them hated them so yeah, much. that's true jake and connor are visiting lorne in prison she barely recognizes him it's been four years since she's seen him he just seems really strong the mean kind of strong his sunken cheeks accentuate the blade sharp lines of his jaw and cheekbones dark circles underline his dark green eyes and an undercurrent of violence hovers around him his demeanor threatens anyone who dares to peek in his direction what has this place done to him Because he was a sweet boy. He was a sweet boy. He has to be this way. He asks if Jake is taking care of her and she says yes. And she tells him that she's been playing his guitar and he tells her that he wishes he could hear it. She asks him if he regrets shooting Wyatt and he tells her no. Her life is worth more than a hundred years served. She's confused and asks what that has to do with her life because Wyatt was innocent. Yeah. And Lorne glares And Jake tells her that he needs to tell her everything. And Jake promises that he will eventually. Jake tells Lauren that she'll know everything within the next two weeks. Oh, that's too long. (laughs) She tells Lauren she misses him and he says he missed her too. He says he's sorry he can't be there when they honor the pact. But she asks if she can call him and he says he'd love that. After another hour of talking, they get to hug and Jake and Connor leave. He tells her he expects her to move in with him at the ranch and she tells him no, she wants to get her own apartment and he gets super pissed off. He tells her he's been too easy on her and the next couple of weeks are going to be rough. My goodwill has come to an end. It's about to get very real for you. A chill whispers across my skin. You're making me uncomfortable. Expect more of that. More discomfort with a whole lot of tears and pain and catharsis. Cross those arms all you want. You'll stand up to the challenge because the Connor I know never backs down. I uncross my arms. I'm not that girl. 
That's right. You're stronger, fiercer, and so goddamn ornery. It makes me hard. Really fucking hard. Always comes back <laughs> to his dick. I know. Sir, not the time. He tells her in two weeks they're about to commit the same crime that put Lorne in prison. And she tells him it's different because Levi doesn't deserve to breathe. He tells her to put her wrist on his hand and he'll explain to her how Lorne killed a bad man. Her heart races, but she does it. And he loosely wraps his finger around her wrist, but it doesn't set her off. So he like doesn't grab it, but he's holding it. Yeah. He tells her that Wyatt and his dad were out at the ravine that night to dispose of her and Lorne's bodies. <gasps> he only let Andy live because he spared Lorne when he could have killed him. He tells her that her dad knew about this but was okay with it because if Lorne was in jail, he was safe from their enemies. So when Connor's dad found out that Wyatt was actually there to dispose of their bodies, he didn't like pursue that with the court system to try and free Lorne because he wanted Lorne to stay in prison to be safe from all these people that wanted to kill them. Yeah, so he like sacrificed his own son. Yeah. Jesus. She starts to ask who their enemies are, but he tells her he won't tell her that today. He goes on to explain that Lorne knows all of this and is okay with it because him being locked up kept her in Chicago. Just then, Jake tells Connor to look at her wrist and breathe and then he grips it hard. She freaks out and begs him to let it go. Focus on your wrist. Jake's voice filters in, deep and commanding. Tell me what you see. You're hurting me. Tell me what you see, he shouts. I blink rapidly and clear my vision. A hand, a strong hand, squeezing, nodding. It's too tight. I can't get free. Whose hand, Connor? Look at it. The shape of it blurs through my rising tears, but I know those knuckles, those long, thick fingers. Your hand, I pant, shaking it from the inside out. It's yours, Jake. Not a knot, not rope. Describe how it feels. Warm. Gentle. My joints start to loosen and I stop pulling. Familiar. He asks her if he's hurting her and she says no. He continues to hold her wrist for the next three hours until they get back to the ranch. Her throat is hoarse from screaming but she realizes that he did this for her to make her face what happened to her. Which sounds like a horrible car ride. She's just like screaming for three hours. Terrified. We did a panic attack. What is this called? Like exposure therapy? Yeah. Yeah. Something clicks inside me, like a turning key. I've been wandering aimlessly, so lost and far away from myself, but I just found the door that leads me back. He's the other half of me, and he holds the pieces that will make me whole again. He tells her that she's learning to work through the memories around her trauma, but she still needs to talk about the ravine, and that from now on, he's going to be pushing her triggers. Nothing will be off limits, and they're going to work through them together. She unbuckles her seatbelt and crawls into his lap. He watches me heatedly with erratic gasps, his body rigid, cock hard, and muscles vibrating with raw, hungry power. There's no better feeling in the world than being desired by a man like Jake Holston. And that desire bucks restlessly between us. It feels cinched and saddled, like it's ready to be kicked into a gallop and ridden hard. (laughs) Wow. I just felt like that was very yeehaw. Very was very yeehaw. She cups his face and tells him that she's scared and he says he knows but she can't run from fear and they begin to kiss passionately and she tells him that she never stopped loving him. Now we're back in Jake's POV and it's three days later. He has her restrained against a fence in the pasture. He has her bent over sideways on a saddle and left her arms free to force her to write in a journal. He spent the last three days trying to get her to write down her thoughts and feelings but she won't so he resorted to this. He calms her down by singing a song to her and it's like a Chris Stapleton song but I only know one Chris Stapleton song so I don't know what song it is. And then he takes a swig of whiskey from his flask. Oh god. He's like bitch I'm gonna trigger the shit out of you. 
You won't cry today. <laughs> she tells him that she heard him singing when she walked in on him and Sarah. And he tells her that he knew she was on the other side of the door and was singing to her. He tells her he read her letters every day and never took the bracelet off. And then she asks if he wore it when he fucked other women. And he says, yes. And then she writes one word in the journal and it just says, death. He moves closer to her and keeps singing, so she keeps writing, and he tells her that if she obeys him and keeps writing some more, he'll tell her what happened when he followed her to Chicago when she rode away on the motorcycle. And she didn't know that he did this, so she agrees. He's full of secrets. Yeah, he, he really is. is. He's full of secrets. Just like Gretchen Wiener's hair. <laughs> the day after I saw your bruises, I hopped on a plane, went directly to his apartment, and beat his face in. Her throat bobs. He died three weeks later. I didn't kill him. I toss off my hat and stab my fingers through my hair. I wanted to, Connor. I can't tell you how badly I wanted to end his life for what he did to you. But he was your father, your only living parent. I couldn't do that to you. Holy shit. So he got his shit rocked before he died. Good. Yeah, honestly. He tells Connor to tell him about what happened with her dad, but she tells him she doesn't want to talk about it. And then he releases her from her restraints and turns her around and blows whiskey in her face. She chokes and tries to push away from him. And then she fully has a panic attack. Finally, after she's completely melting down, she starts writing and detailing all the abuse her dad inflicted on her, and she calms down and tells him she needed this, and then he kisses her. She stares at the journal, the pencil pressed to paper, unmoving. A bullet point list of single words line the page beneath her hand. Lonely, hurt, scared, hopeless, and so on. Then there's my name in caps and underlined with a slew of adjectives beneath it. Arrogant, manipulative, revengeful, kinky. I like that last one. But she didn't write any specific memories about Chicago. She needs to address what happened with her dad. He grips her hips to straddle him and she tells him she wants him to have sex with her, but he doesn't want to until she knows everything. But that doesn't mean he won't still make her come. (laughs) He pulls off his shirt and lays it in the grass for her to lay on. And then he pulls her shorts down and tells her it's been six years since he's seen her body. She pulls off her top and he has to control himself not to just fuck her. He grabs her wrist and she starts to panic, but tells him not to stop. He tells her he's going to bind her wrist to the saddle, but it's a knot that she can yank hard and be freed. And she says, okay. Can you taste the whiskey? She nods and little lines appear between her eyebrows. I don't like his scent on you. It's not his scent. I kiss her again. Just a brush of mouths and breath. We're making new memories. The next time you smell whiskey, think about this moment. The grass beneath your legs. All the colors in the sky. The way we feel together. She moans as I caress her nipples. Melts as I glide fingertips along her abs. And sighs as I remove her panties. Kneeling between her legs, I cup the back of her thighs and spread her open. It's been three years since I tasted her in that barn. Six years since I've rested my gaze on her auburn triangle and tight pink pussy. (laughs) (laughs) Auburn triangle? Okay. She's a redhead. He lowers to go down on her and she tells him that she never wants to be gagged and he tells her that he won't. He wants to hear her little sounds and she asks him what he likes as far as sex. Clearly, you're into bondage. She gives the leather strap a tight tug. Bondage, yes. I lick her clit. And choking, spanking, dominating. I bury my face and curl my tongue through her folds. Always with the folds. <laughs> Always with the fucking folds. Delighting in the flutter of her lashes. Anal, no. Her gaze snaps to mine. Anal is a hard no. I keep my eyes on hers and push a finger deep inside her pussy, swirling and lubricating. She tracks the movement of my hand, twitching as I slide it back and press against her tight ring of muscle. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. Tight ring of muscle. I know. I saw that. I was like, yep, Riley will be reading that. 
no. She tries to get him to stop, but he puts one finger into the first knuckle and tells her that's as far as he'll go tonight. Holding my finger in her rectum, I slide my thumb into her cunt and kiss her clit. When you're aroused and fully lubricated, it's extremely pleasurable. How would you know? Have you ever had anything forced into your ass? (laughs) No. But the woman I fucked in the past loved it enough to beg for it. Have you ever watched a video with anal sex? (sighs) I, yeah. Holding a finger in her rectum. (laughs) rectum is like the least sexy word i've ever heard yeah (laughs) yes she tells him about the foreign film and how she pauses it and restarts it to feel control over the situation she's aroused telling him this and he buries his face in her and she comes screaming his name he trails light kisses up her body and she grabs his face and kisses him moaning into his mouth It's impossible to describe the bond we share. We're too great for words, too sacred. We're a feeling that goes beyond starts and stops. We're stronger than hellos and goodbyes and deeper than beginnings and ends. We're an existence that can't be measured. It doesn't matter where she is or what I've done. We'll always come back to this place. Aww. She starts to undo his zipper, but he asks if she really wants to have sex, and he tells her that when they have sex, they're doing it his way, and he loves all the positions. She says she needs to hear everything that he's keeping from her first, and he tells her soon. A week passes with them doing these kind of exercises, and they're in the kitchen, and Connor tells Jake that Levi gets released in two days. She tells him that she's worried and doesn't want to lose him again, and he promises her he's not going anywhere. She tells him she's nervous because they didn't do any therapy today, so she feels like he's planning something big, and he tells her that she's going to be talking to him about the ravine, and then he's going to tell her everything. He steps behind her and presses her against the counter with his chest against her back, and that's one of her biggest triggers. She tries to push him off and tells him to back off. Focus on my voice. I slowly slide my arms around her tiny waist and put my mouth at her ear. We're going to talk about your 16th birthday. I'm going to tell you everything I know. Then, if I've earned your forgiveness, I'm going to fuck you. I lower a hand to her pussy and press against the denim seam. Here. (laughs) Here. In case you were unaware. I'm going to put my dick right here in your vagina. <laughs> right in the You know where folds. your vagina is? It's right here. So I'm f- <laughs> fixing to fuck it. Hey, Paul. <laughs> I did the Paul this time. You did. She tells him she can't have sex from behind and she can't talk about the ravine. And he tells her that they're going to do every position. And then he smacks her ass and tells her to lift her arms. She refuses and he starts to back off. And she tells him not to leave her again. And he's so sad and asks if she thinks that's what he's going to do. She tells him that she's scared of how intensely she feels about him and how she doesn't know what he's hiding and that after all the shit with her dad, she should punch him in the throat for laying a hand on her. He thanks her for being honest and tells her he loves her and she says she loves him too. She admits that she likes him spanking her. Ooh, dirty girl. The parts of you that overpower me, she said, are the same parts that are so soft and affectionate and tender. That's the attraction, the appeal. I love that I can let my guard down and relinquish control to a man who fires up my ass and takes care of me at the same time. You might be pushy as hell, but I know if I were to tell you to stop, you will. That means when you spank me and bind my wrists, it's 100% my choice. There's power in that. Yeah, there is. She raises her arms like he told her to and he pulls her shirt off and takes off her bra and he spins her around and kisses her telling her to go to the room, take off the rest of her clothes and lie face down on the bed to wait for him. As she willingly walks toward a long night of terrifying memories, my stomach knots with trepidation. They're not just her memories, they're mine too. I failed her that night. Under no circumstances can I fail her again. I feel like 
during this book until that part i kind of forgot that he also went through a lot of trauma too right because he had to watch it happen that's what i've been thinking this whole time like he also went through that night Mm -hmm. like he also i mean wasn't as traumatic as her experience was but to watch someone you love go through it and you can't help them at all that's awful yeah yeah an hour later and connor is having back-to-back panic attacks after jake tied her wrist to the headboard while he lays on top of her he tells her to talk about what happened to her but she can't stop panicking he reaches up to undo the restraints and she asks if he's giving up on her and he says no they're gonna try something different he takes off his shirt and pants giving her his belt Unzipping my jeans, I let them slide midway down my ass and kneel on the bed with my back to her. I'm giving you permission to be angry. I turn my neck and find her eyes over my shoulder. I'm empowering you to let go of every emotion, thought, and memory you're suppressing. Channel it all through that strap and onto my back. What? She gasps. I'm No, I'm not going to. Hit me, Connor. I shout in a tone that makes her jump. Let it out. Damn. After 10 minutes, she's still behind him and hasn't hit him, so he decides to egg her on. He tells her how he fucked all the girls they went to school with and she slaps him with the belt across his back. He says he fucked her in a barn and let her believe she was forgettable and she hits him again. He tells her he left her in the ravine after she was raped and sodomized after she begged him not to because he was too consumed by his own needs and then she unleashes on him. After a while, she starts to talk about the details of the rape, how the first one sodomized her and took her virginity and she hits him again. She talks about how she wishes that she was the one to kill him and she talks about the second one climbing on top of her, Levi Tibbs. She drops the belt and starts to punch Jake over and over again as she talks about every detail. I immerse my entire being in her words, in the images they conjure, and relive the brutality of that night with a hot ember charring my throat. In that moment, I make the decision to forgive myself. I failed to protect her that night, but I've walked through hell since then, doing everything in my power to keep her safe. I'll spend the rest of my life making sure she's never harmed again. She stops and tries to apologize, but he tells her not to be sorry. They both needed this. He pulls her into his body and holds her, playing with her hair until her eyes shut, and after a while, she tells him she feels clearer and that she's ready to hear everything from him, and he gets up and grabs a large sealed envelope from the dresser. It's a deed for the land. He leaves her with the documents and runs her a bath. After the bath is filled, she walks in and asks him if she and Lorne own all the land, and he says yes, her mom left it to them. he picks her up and puts her in the bath and she tells him to get in with her and he says he will after he tells her everything and this is a lot so buckle up god you own the land but your mom created a power of attorney that appointed our dads as the agent in the event of her death this granted them the power to manage any and all business transactions and decisions related to the property she finishes washing as she absorbs my words you're saying lorne and i own ten thousand acres but we have no power over it the drilling her head pops up and her jaw tightens the power of attorney allowed your dad to turn the ranch into an oil field without approval from lorne or me approval we would have never given but you never said we could revoke his power not until you meet certain requirements those are the hoops i mentioned what are they she grips the edge of the tub you must be 18 pass a drug test and show proof of your residency on the property residency on the property she echoes quietly her gaze clouding turning inward you have to live here connor I spear her with the glare that ends her accusation. I kept you away because there were multiple hits on your life if you returned. My father, among others, would have killed you before they allowed you to live here and file that revocation. And you would have filed it. The moment they started drilling, you would have looked into land ownership and discovered what everyone was keeping from you. She sits on the bed, glaring at her scarred palm. The night of my 16th birthday. 
Lauren was the concern. I lower onto the mattress beside her. He just turned 18 and met all the requirements to revoke the power from our dads. Dalton and John couldn't let that happen because they made some crooked deals over the years with some dangerous men. Deals that involved borrowing money they couldn't pay back. After our moms died, they lived like oil barons with the finest furnishings, countless luxury trucks, new outbuildings and equipment. They spent and spent as if the cattle operation was booming, but it wasn't. The ranch was barely breaking even. This went on for 14 years and reached its snapping point around the night of your birthday. They weren't just going to lose the ranch. They were going to lose their lives at the hands of the men they owed money to. But they were sitting on land rich in oil and natural gas. Dalton was involved in this. The pain in her voice cuts me. Your dad made bad decisions with bad men, but he wasn't involved in the threats against your life. He was going to tell Lauren about the power of attorney, but my dad was not okay with that. Because Lauren would have never allowed the drilling, so your dad hired men to kill us. Problem solved. Sheriff Fletcher was in his pocket. He and my dad shared a history I haven't been able to work out. What I do know is they were in it together. Fletcher got a cut of the profits in exchange for making the murders go away. When my dad hired that hit on you and Lauren, I grip her hand, lacing our fingers together. Jarrett and I weren't supposed to be there when it happened. That was their first miscalculation. The second fuck up was their decision to rape you before they killed you and Lauren. Jarrett and I killed a lot of men. Bad men. What? Her throat wobbles with a hard swallow. We killed every debt collector and hitman that knew your name and buried the bodies in the ravine. They won't find the bodies and Sheriff Fletcher is highly motivated to make this all go away. I have evidence against the sheriff, conversations between him and my dad, confessions of his plans to cover up your murder, the payment he received from the drilling. I have enough to put him away for a long fucking time. The instant I learned someone was watching you at school, we killed them. We picked them all off one by one until we were certain it was safe for you to come home. There is no one left with vested interest in this land, except John Holston. We killed my dad's debt collector. That means he has no debts. Then we blackmailed him with the evidence I used against the sheriff. I promised not to turn him in if he signed over the ownership of the cattle business and left town. Damn. So that's yeah. that's everything. Holy shit. So his dad is the one that is still out there that still technically wants her dead but he has him pretty pretty well and blackmailed damn holy shit all, all of that just so you can keep living like this luxury lifestyle like you're gonna kill little kids that you watch grow up mm-hmm. yeah money really does like turn people into like shitty people yeah. though he tells her that he doesn't deserve her after everything he did to keep her away and she says she forgives him now we're in connor's pov they're gonna bang she tells him she loves him even if he doesn't go slow even if it's not that great he tells her she's going to come on his cock multiple times and he tells her to get on her knees you said something to me in the barn i feather my fingers along the rigid shape of him through the cotton do you remember you pressed your lips against your cheek i wanted you to feel my voice when i said i love you i belong to you no matter the time or distance i'm yours and she didn't know that he said that because the music was so loud she just knew he was saying something oh that's what he said so cute she's 100 percent ready to go and he tells her to pull him out jesus he's bigger than i remember thicker harder and hungry his balls hang heavy his big balls <laughs> his balls hang heavy and full beneath his jutting cock a clear bead of arousal wells on the plump tip and i ache to catch it with my tongue <laughs> plump he tells her to stop staring at it and put it in her mouth <laughs> i slide my lips over his shaft relishing the taste of that salty drop I draw him in until he bumps the back of my throat and his 
growly groan. Growly? I don't know. <laughs> but he's groaning, he's growly. Too, so it's like... <laughs> so it's like he's, he's choking on the dick. Yeah. Yeah. His growly groan envelops me, urging me to suck root to tip and back again. Root to tip. I hate that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so close. Shit. Oh, God. Fuck. I'm gonna fucking come. His eyes latch onto mine and my pussy clenches. I sheath my teeth, suck him hard, and send him over the edge. I'm so hungry for him. My heart rate explodes with the first gush of his release against my throat. He throbs against my tongue, grunting and moaning as he empties himself in my mouth. (gasps) Yummy. Mm. (laughs) He tells her he can take his time with her now and yanks her to the edge of the bed and begins to go down on her. He eats me like he's starving, the same starvation that depletes my lungs and coils in my core. His teasing flicks and bites ignite an unbearable need inside me, driving me to madness. I need your cock. I squirm beneath him, tugging on the messy brown. <laughs> Why messy can't brown. I say brown? <laughs> brown, brown. Get into it. Tugging on that messy brown strands of his hair. <laughs> but there's no denying him. He devours my pussy until I detonate against his mouth and slump into a puddle of spent limbs in liquid pleasure. He prowls up my body and scoots us to the center of the bed, knees between my legs. He stretches me open, his cock hanging hard and long between us, twitching with readiness. Oh my god. I know. She grabs his dick and strokes it, and she tells him it took them 22 years to get here, and he slams down on her with a kiss. She can taste herself on him. As that fire grows and roars into something more demanding, he edges back. Not to end this, but to bask in this moment before we begin. He runs his fingers up my bare arms, sending electricity to my heart, his eyes firmly fastened on mine. Staring isn't what I'd call it. His gaze inhabits like it belongs on my face, connecting us between slow, infrequent blinks. Like a cat. Yeah, they're saying I love you and cat. (laughs) He whispers her name as he enters her and they move together as they kiss. She feels like having him inside of her is healing. He pulls out of her and flips her onto her stomach, laying on top of her. He tells her to listen to his voice as he sings her a song. Her body tries to panic, but she tells herself she's safe. She's with Jake. He wraps tendrils of red hair around his fists and tilts my neck back, positioning my face in his line of sight. His knees push my legs apart, and his free hand notches his cock against my pussy. My breaths careen into gasps, and his singing cuts off. I love you. With his lips on mine, he sinks into my wet heat from behind. The indomitable size of him stretches my inner walls, and I arch off the bed, moaning against his mouth, Goddamn, Connor. He buries himself to the root, his body iron hard and shaking against me. You're so fucking tight. Do you feel that? You're clamping down on me. I feel everything. I feel everything. Do you feel that? (laughs) Am I in? Yeah. (laughs) Neither of them have had willing sex without a condom before. And last week she told him that she's on the pill. He pulls out and moves me onto my side, facing away from him. Then he kneels against the backs of my inner thighs and drives into me from behind. Ah, his head (laughs) falls back. (laughs) It's just ah with a period. So I'm like, is it <laughs> ah? I don't know. <laughs> Feels so fucking good. He surges into me, panting as he tweaks my nipple and plays with my clit. God, you're so wet and snug. I don't know why, but the word snug. I don't. <laughs> snug as a bug in there. <laughs> snug as a fucking bug in a rug. Perfect. <laughs> 
I slide my hands down his back and palm his ass, gripping the rigid muscle. He's a stallion between my legs, possessing (laughs) me with his touch. All brawn and power and huffing breaths, a steady and bucking rush of animalistic hunger and watchful eyes. (gasps) Whoa, girl. She's a cowgirl. I know. (laughs) Save a horse, ride a cowboy. Yeah! They come together and he tells her he fucking loves her and they spend the rest of the night exploring each other. Making up for lost time. Yeah. Yeah. Gotta. I fell in love with him when we were kids before I understood the language of love. Tonight, I fall harder than ever before. With every kiss, glance, smile, and evocative word, he doesn't just stitch my heart back together. He welds it into his own. Oh. The next night, Jake, Jarrett, and Connor decide to go out for drinks and dancing at the local bar. While they're there, Connor notices all the women that they went to high school with, I fucking Jake, and one woman that they don't recognize. She approaches them and says she's a freelance reporter and asks what they're planning on doing now that Levi Tibbs is being released the next day. And we learn that this woman's name is Maybe. I hated that. Maybe. Isn't that the cousin's name on, fuck, what's that show? Arrested Development? I don't know. I haven't watched that. Oh my god. I feel like every single episode, I'm like, doesn't that remind you of this? I do watch bits and pieces of that with Andrew. So, yeah, I got that one. They work at the banana stand together. Her and George Michael. But her name is Maybe. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. There's always money in the banana stand. They play dumb and say nothing, and Jake takes Connor to the dance floor while Jarrett stays to talk to the reporter. Jake and Connor watch as Jarrett says something to the reporter that pisses her off, and they dance for a few songs, and by the end of it, Connor is hella soaked. Oh, yeah. Baby. Hella soaked. She uses the word soaked, too. She does. Does she? Yeah. Her panties are soaked hella soaked no just her panties were soaked yeah come on authors (laughs) (laughs) she leaves to go to the bathroom and looks at herself in the mirror and she looks like her old self happy as she opens the door to leave jake bursts in and pushes her back into the bathroom he holds her wrists behind her back and says he needs to be inside of her right now he pulls down her shorts and panties and shoves her shirt down oh spicy He grinds his erection against my bare thigh, sending a fresh gush of wetness between my legs. Then his hand is there, sliding along my sensitive flesh and sinking inside. Flesh. He pulls his fingers out and tells her she's going to come on his cock. He lifts her up and shoves into her and starts fucking her hard and fast, and he wraps his hand around her throat and she comes, and then he comes immediately after, and then he says he's going to take her home and do it again. We gon' fuck again. It's the next day and Levi Tibbs was released. Jake, Jarrett, and Connor are in a rundown shack outside of town and the guys are checking their weapons. They found the shack a few years ago and found a duffel bag with $10,000 in cash and IDs belonging to Levi. So they know he'll be coming back for it. Jarrett assures them the situation with the journalist is dealt with, but we don't really know how. Connor is sitting at the table by the door waiting for Levi. Jake and Jarrett are hiding in the room so Levi won't see them when he walks in. And 20 minutes pass, and then Levi walks into the shack. He asks her how she knows about this place, and she tells him Jake's dad told her about it. She tells him that she's there because she knows he was going to come after her, and he admits that he was definitely going to be doing that. Uh Uh-huh. Oh, God. His gaze darts to mine, his expression oily and hostile. I can still feel your tight cunt. You bled all over me, and I haven't stopped thinking about it for six years, about how I was your first. I bet you think about it, too. Which, like, gross. Oh, God. I would fucking... I don't know what I would do right there. 
She tells him that she's there for closure and asks if he got her letter. And he says, yeah, he jerked off to it every night. Do you remember the letter that she sent him? No. I don't remember either. Maybe it wasn't mentioned. I don't remember that. He grabs a gun that he had taped under the table. So he had this place like all secured for him to get out of prison. And I guess he taped a gun under the table that Connor was sitting at. So he grabs it and points it at her. He throws the table aside and tells her to take off her pants. She tells him no, and then Jake comes out with a shotgun pointed at Levi, and then Levi squeezes the trigger to shoot Connor, but they already found the gun and unloaded it. <laughs> yeah. Levi runs out the door and right into Jarrett, who pistol whips him, knocking him out. Jarrett ties Levi up, and Jake tells Connor to take her motorcycle and ride home. The guys are taking Levi to the ravine. <gasps> Bye, bitch. I also forgot to put in my notes, but I guess it's worth a mention that they were testing him. Yeah. They were going to give him a chance to not be a piece of shit and then he was a piece of shit so then connor was like okay yeah we're for sure gonna kill this guy yeah she rides home and saddles up ketchup to ride her to the ravine to meet them she notices a bunch of dump trucks and a landfill of rocks and dirt at the ravine Jarrett tells her that they're filling it in after all the drilling and this is where the bodies are levi hears this and freaks out because he's like oh fuck they're gonna kill me yeah bitch jake kicks him in the stomach and holds a rope tied around his neck His arms and legs are tied up and he has duct tape over his mouth. So he's gagged and bound just like she was. Mm -hmm. Good. You hurt my girl. Jake pulls hard on the noose around Levi's neck. His dark, rugged features cut with vengeance. You stole something sacred from her, from me, and you thought you'd do it again. He drives a brutal kick into Levi's ribs. We live and die by the choices we make. You made yours. I hope you relive that night from her perspective, over and over, while you burn in hell. He pushes his boot down on Levi's spine and holds the rope taut, straining the muscles in his forearms. I clap a hand over my mouth, fighting the bile in my throat as Levi bucks and jerks face down in the dirt, fighting for air. The strangulation goes on for eternity. Jake doesn't move or speak, his hands clenched around the rope with his head tilted down. The rim of the hat conceals his face. My fingers bite into Jarrett's back, my entire body locked in frozen panic. Why is it taking so long? Finally, the body slumps, breathless and unmoving. Jake checks his pulse and shoves him over the edge and into the ravine. It's over. Yeah! Yeah! He did! He gone! Yeah? Got what he deserved. Yeah. Jake rolls him into the ravine and Jarrett gets in one of the trucks to bury him. Jake and Connor get on ketchup and they ride back to the ranch. They shower together and heat up some food and then Jarrett comes back and they all eat on the porch in silence. After they eat, Jarrett goes back inside and Connor tells Jake the air feels heavy and he tells her it's okay to feel sad and she mourns losing her father, her brother, and six years of her life while he holds her. Mm. Now we're in Jake's POV. He tucks Connor into bed and tells her he's going to go check on Jarrett. He can't find him anywhere and sees an unfamiliar car next to his truck and some lights on in a stable across the field. He walks over and bursts through the door and the reporter is tied up to a post and Jarrett is whipping her with a riding crop. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah. Oh my god. She tells him that technically this is consensual and has something to do with an agreement that they came to for Jarrett giving her the tea on the story about about the ranch and Jake is like, um okay cool bye and then leaves they don't really elaborate on that this is a series so i'm assuming we find out more about that in the next book yeah Yeah. the next one is Jarrett's. i looked at it because i was like what the fuck is happening with this yeah he goes back to the room and wakes connor up with some weenie some dick after when our needs are sated and my body twitches with fatigue and lingering bliss i make myself move i pull her into my arms the tattooed canvas of hers comes around me legs tangled breaths melded hearts knotted together mine 
mind. It's one month later. They used Levi's $10,000 to pour cement over the bodies and are building a veterinary clinic over it. Cute. Yeah, so Connor gets to work there on the bodies of all the shitty people that wanted her dead. Perfect revenge. Perfect revenge. Connor is tied up and naked in the meadow. Jake is going to annihilate her final trigger tonight. No. (laughs) Her ass. Yes. I knew it. (laughs) She tells him that she is his. He kisses and touches all over her body. She begs for his cock and he fucks her until she comes, but he's not done yet and she knows it. He tells her he'll go slow and asks if she trusts him and she says yes. Bent over before me, she's no more than a flowing black outline, sighing languidly and dripping with arousal. I've played with her asshole often over the past month, getting her used to the sensations. She's relaxed, and that means whatever's going on in her head isn't causing her to tense up. Her knees grace the ground, her body swaying like a delicate flower in grass, and I take her as such, lubricating and pushing against her ring of muscle (laughs) with care. Eventually, she calms enough to accept me, and goddamn, she's tight, squeezing and releasing around me. Nothing has ever felt this good. The impulse to pound into her grips my body, but I lock it down, keeping my thrust slow and gentle. You can go faster. A blazing flame crackles and scorches the air between us. I tangle my fingers in her hair and pull, using my grip to bring her back to my chest and her head against my shoulder. Then I fuck her, dragging my cock along the walls of her dark tunnel. (laughs) Her dark tunnel. Her dark tunnel, her dark spooky tunnel, (laughs) grunting and fingering her wet pussy. I suck hard on her neck and scrape teeth against her tender skin. Her moans feed my hunger, her breasts fill my hands, and she holds on, reaching back to clutch my ass. (laughs) Just palms in. The end. (gasps) That's the end? (laughs) Yeah. Just the end. A nice ass palm after some anal, you know? Oh my gosh. So, right. how many red pepper emojis would you give it? Our pepper scale is, like, how spicy it is, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. You can do a separate, like, how many stars you give it. Because I know it's kind of weird to give it a pepper scale. Yeah. So, I would give it, like, four and a half stars. Mm-hmm. And I think for peppers, I'd give it three. Okay. Because it wasn't super spicy. Very thick plot. Yes, very thick plot. But the spice was good. I liked it. Yeah. You- you like her dark tunnel? I love the dark tunnel. <laughs> and I think the ring of muscles growing on me. Is it? <laughs> no. <laughs> the question of the hour, would you trade places with Connor? No. Yeah, no, me either. No. <laughs> Big fat no. But do you think Jake is hot? Yes, because like he's going to every length he can for his woman. I know. Uh-huh. A little bit manipulative, but I guess for the right reasons. But. I, I think he's book boyfriend material, honestly. Uh, yeah. Wow. He's good. Yeah, he's hot as fuck. I really liked this book. Yeah, it was good. So next week, we're going to be telling Riley all about Three Swedish Mountain Men by Lily Gold. And we're going to show Riley the cover, and she's going to give us a guess about what it's about. I'm picturing that guy from Frozen. Yoo-hoo, big summer blowout. <laughs> stop it stop it right now i don't know if he's swedish but that's immediately what i picked damn killed it (laughs) (laughs) oh no okay so i'm looking at this cover it's a reverse harem Mm -hmm. of what three swedish mountain men oh shit okay well there's three men on it 
and a lady. I think she's going to get pounded by every single one of them. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we'll find out. I'm excited for that one. Me too. If you liked this episode, make sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And you can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Smut Up and Listen Podcast and on TikTok at Smut Up and Listen. Tell your friends, but not your mom. And we'll see you later, you horny little rats.